0: Welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Mintert, Director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and joining me today is Michael Langemar, Professor of Ag Economics here at Purdue. We're going to review the results from the December Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of Farmers from across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspective on the ag economy. This month's Ag barometer survey was conducted from the seventh through the eleventh of December. So, Michael, the ag economy barometer did rise a bit in December. It rose to a reading of one seventy four. That's up seven points compared to a month earlier when the reading was one sixty seven. But that still leaves it a little bit below where it was back in October.
1: And uh, yes, I think some people are going to be surprised by this uh, because because prices are quite a bit stronger than what they were. October, and so I think to really explain this, we really have to look at the two sub indices, uh, the current conditions index and the future expectations index. I think you're right. So
0: the the big uh, rise was in the index of current conditions, which I think is consistent with what you were talking about with respect to the rise in commodity prices, especially corn, soybeans, and wheat. That index of current conditions rose to a reading of 202, that's 15 points higher than the um, prior month when it was 187. The index of future expectations rose as well, but it was a much smaller increase. It only rose to five points to a reading of 161. So when you think of it that way in terms of the point spreads, I guess, between those two indices, the rise in the current conditions index was three times the size of the rise in the index of future expectations. And so that's kind of an interesting result. They had index of current conditions rising as much as it did. That's consistent with what we see in the commodity markets. So that makes a lot of sense in terms of the impact that's had on.
1: And this is certainly a flip. This is certainly a flip from what we saw. uh, Obviously, we saw in the summer where the current conditions index, because of the low prices, was was below the index of future expectations. And so, essentially, last two three months, that's flipped. Uh, where the index of current conditions is now stronger than the index of future expectations. And, and like you were saying, that that's because of the rising prices, particularly for corn and soybeans. Yeah, and the, and the concurrent uh, dramatic rise in profitability, right? So, And that Definitely. showed up in,
0: in our next uh, index, which is the Farm Capital Investment Index. That rose to a record high reading of 93. That's up 13 points compared to November when the index was at 80. And uh, you know, 13-point move in that Farm Capital Investment Index in one month, that's a big move. So people clearly felt more comfortable about the environment for making large investments in their farming operation in December than they did uh, in November. And especially when you compare it all the way back to the spring. In the spring in April, that index was actually below 40. I think it uh, dipped all the way down to about 38. So uh, a dramatic turnaround in terms of people's a perspective on making investments in the farming operation, right?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the, what the data actually shows when, when, when we have the data for 2020, how much uh, farm capital investment was actually up uh, late in 2020 compared to 19? Compared to, uh, uh, yeah, and so that Farm Capital Investment Index is a little broader than just farm machinery. So uh,
0: starting last spring, we started asking a follow-up question that focuses just on farm machinery where we ask people about their farm machinery purchases, uh, their plans for the upcoming year compared to a year ago. And you know, if you look at the numbers uh, over the course of uh, the spring and summer, the first time we asked this question was in March. And so we've got uh, what, I guess about nine months of of data now. Um, If you look at what's taken place there, people have clearly shifted their attitudes. We have a larger percentage of farmers saying they wanna increase or plan to increase their purchases of farm machinery. Uh, Back in May, only 4% said they were going to increase their purchases of farm machinery in December. That was up to 15%. And the percentage of producers saying they plan to reduce their farm machinery purchases compared to a year earlier was just 35% in December. And, of course, that number was all the way up to 65% back in May. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. Your your point was with respect to looking at the USDA balance sheet information with respect to capital expenditures, it's also going to be interesting to see especially how the fourth quarter turns out for the farm machinery manufacturers with things like tractor sales, right?
1: Yeah, and the divergence and the divergence in in and farm machinery purchases really does not surprise me all that much because what this really comes down to is liquidity. Uh, there's still some forms out there, even, even even though, particularly for crop producers, uh, 2020 was much more profitable uh, than the than, than, uh, 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 two or three previous years. There's still some forms out there really struggling with liquidity. And so rather than buying machinery or buildings, grain bins, for example, building grain bins, they're probably going to try to improve their liquidity. Uh, and so I, I, that's not real, and because of that, I don't think it's real surprising that we see some people uh, that think they're going to be uh, purchasing more machinery. But we also see a, a relatively uh, large percent uh, that are actually not going to increase their machinery purchases. Yeah, that's true. And
0: so if you think about it from that standpoint, back in May, I think roughly 30 percent of the f- producers in the survey said that they were going to keep their machinery purchases constant with a year earlier. Um, that percentage rose over the course of the year. Um, to 50% here these last couple of months. And that's, that's consistent with this idea of maybe um, doing a combination of things, right? With respect to improving balance sheets but also maybe making some purchases and, and uh, going from there. So when we looked at farmland values and asked people about their price expectations for farmland, we really got, uh, I think this really kind of revealed what people were thinking. People were pretty optimistic about farmland values When we asked them to look 12 months ahead, we had 35% saying they expected to see higher farmland values. And to put that in perspective, going back to the beginning of 2016, that is the highest percentage of respondents that have ever said they expect to see farmland values rise over the upcoming 12 months. And uh, correspondingly, very few farmers said they expect to see lower farmland values. It was only 6%. um, That's a dramatic shift uh, for both of those values compared to where we were last uh, spring. I think in April, 35% said they expected to see lower farmland values in the upcoming year and just 7% were expecting to see a rise in farmland values. We essentially flipped those, right? So it's a a dramatic turnaround in a short span of time reflecting the change in the picture, right?
1: And, And I don't think this is necessarily over. I mean, when we did this survey in in, uh, in, in mid-December, uh, since then, prices have continued to imp- improve, uh, particularly for, for corn and soybeans and and, and wheat uh, when you look at the futures prices. And so I think I think there's going to be a, a continued uh, improvement or an increase in the number of those that, that are expecting higher farmland values. Yeah, good point. And then we did the follow-up question where we asked people to look out five
0: years instead of one year and, and to... For our listeners to kind of put that in perspective, keep that in mind when you have that longer term perspective, people are always more optimistic because historically farmland values have always gone up or almost always gone up over these longer time timeframes. Um, so when you keep that in mind, 65% of the producers in the survey said they expect to see higher farmland values over the next five years. And again, that's record high for the survey going back in this case to the spring of 17. So um A lot of optimism about farmland values out there, Michael, both short run and long run.
1: Yeah, this has been running about 50 percent. I mean, it's up and down a little bit, uh, you know, over the last year, year and a half. But it's been running right around 50 percent, 55 percent. So the the 65 percent really does indicate a rather large increase from where it had been on the last few months.
0: Yeah, that 11 point increase compared to November is one of the bigger jumps we've seen on a one month basis in that five year expectation. Um, Recently, we've been asking people about their expectations for cash rental rates for farmland in their area versus uh, 2020. What do they expect to see in 2021 versus 2020? And as you look at the December results, I think 18% said they expected to see higher cash rental rates. You compare that to uh, mid to late summer um, we only had 8 to 9% of the respondents said they expected to see higher cash rental rates. So people are definitely more inclined to think cash rental rates are headed higher in December than they did uh, back in, in the, towards the end of the summer. Um, 75% of the producers in the survey said they expect rental rates to stay about the same, and just 5% expect to see lower values. And I actually think that 5% is kind of significant, because if you go back and compare that to, for example, August, in August, seventeen percent of the uh, producers in the survey said they expected to see lower cash rental rates in 2021, uh, and now that that downward
1: pressure on cash rental rates has really disappeared. Yeah, in a way, it's 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 somewhat surprising that there's still five percent that think gas rents are going to be lower. Um, you know, some, in some ways, that's still surprising, uh, you know, given, again, given uh, given the improvement in, in, in prices, particularly crop prices. Uh, one other thing that's going to be interesting in 2021, and we, we didn't ask a question directly related to this, we haven't uh, so far, is we've had about five or six years where production costs have been essentially flat. Again, here, I'm primarily talking for about crop producers. It's going to be interesting to see if that's going to hold true in 2021. If we have some uh, higher cash rent in 2021, that's about a third uh, of, of the total cost uh, for, for corn and soybeans, uh, for example. If we have some uh, increase in cash rent, we see some increase in fertilizer prices, maybe at least some, maybe, maybe a little bit of increase in seed prices, some of these other, uh, other inputs, uh, we might actually see a turnaround uh, and rather than being flat, an increase in in, in the production costs in, in 2021.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think the odds are pretty high that that's going to take place. We're seeing some upward pressure on fertilizer values, uh, cash rental rates. You put those two together, um, probably not going to be any downward pressure on seed prices this winter. So, you know, you look at it all across the board, the odds would favor some upward pressure on, on cost in, in 2021 versus 2020. So turning our attention to agricultural trade, we've been asking people uh, going back to the summer of 2019, um, what do they think is going to happen with respect to this trade dispute with China? And more specifically, will it ultimately be resolved in a way that benefits U.S. agriculture? And we've asked this um, just about every month, I think, since uh, the summer of 2019. And, you know, uh, there's been a pretty big turnaround in people's attitudes compared to the beginning of 2020. The beginning of 2020, 80% of the producers in our survey, both January and February, said they thought that this would ultimately be resolved in a way that was beneficial to US ag. And of course, that was the time frame when we had signed the phase one trade agreement. As you look at the responses to this question as we headed through the rest of 2020, now all the way through the end of 2020, the percentage of producers who say that we think this is ultimately going to be resolved in a way it's beneficial has been declining. In fact, in December, it dropped all the way to 47 percent. So uh, that's a pretty big decline compared to where we're at the beginning of the year. And it really suggests people are maybe a little skittish about what's going on. And that. I guess the surprising part about that, Michael, is the fact that we've seen this bump in exports to China the last several months. And yet at the same time, people are kind of expressing this kind of long-term skepticism I suppose.
1: Uh, At least part of what must be going on here is you have a you have a transition administrations and that and that and that uh, that provides some uncertainty uh, related to how this is going to play out uh, with regard to trade to China and so I I, even though we didn't ask that specifically I think that's part of what's going on here. It just creates some uncertainty when you have a a change in the administration. Well that
0: could be I mean if We had a little bit of a gap there in terms of when we asked the question. I think we asked it in June. And in June, 65% of the producers said they think it's going to be beneficial. The next time we asked it was in November. And by that time, it had dropped all the way to 50%. And then in December, it was 47%. So. Uh, some of that could be, yeah, change in administration, a change in philosophy, change in uh, perspective on what's going to take place with respect to uh, what's taking going going forward here.
1: But this is definitely a question that we should ask in the next uh, two or three months to see if there's any change. Yeah, we'll
0: continue to monitor that. So we've been asking a series of questions going back to October to kind of monitor producers' perspective on a series of policy issues and uh, yeah, the results are kind of interesting. You want to take a look at some of those, Michael?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's three results in particular I think are are very interesting. One of them, and we asked people about environmental regulations, do they expect there to be more environmental reg- regulations in the next five years? And the percent that said yes has really, really changed from October into November and December. Uh, in, in October, only 41% uh, thought that there would be uh, uh, more environmental regulations in the next five years. That jumped to 77 and 83% in November and December, respectively. And so that's certainly one of the, one of the items uh, that, that's, that's holding back the Index of Future Expectations. Um, and also, and, uh, two other questions that we asked that are, that are very interesting is higher income taxes and estate taxes. And the answers are about the same. So I'll focus on estate taxes, which in my mind might be a better, uh, more of a worry to, to some uh, farm families, particularly those that are transitioning, is in, in October, uh, 40% thought estate taxes would increase. That jumped to 66 and 71% in November and December, so a very large increase uh, in, in those that think that estate taxes and income taxes are going are to increase in the next five years. And again, I think that is related to, to the fact that the index of future expectations uh, did not increase as much uh, in, in November and December uh, as the index of current conditions. Yeah, I think it's indicative of the fact that people have some concerns about
0: where policy is going to go here the next several years and what impact it might have on agriculture. So we asked a couple of other questions that I think we should maybe focus on a little bit. Uh, One was with respect to the farm income safety net, and the other was about support for the ethanol industry. And if you go back to October, I think just 18% of the people in our survey said they were concerned about a weaker farm income safety net in the next five years. That roughly doubled in November to 35% and and stayed pretty close to that in December at 33%. So clearly people are a little more worried about the safety net maybe not being as strong as it's been in the past uh, going forward here. And we asked about support for the ethanol industry. 17% in October said they thought we would see reduced or decreased support for the ethanol industry over the next five years. That also roughly doubled in November to 33%. And stayed close to that in December, I think, at 27%. So really, there's a number of things out there that are potentially have a a big impact on agriculture that people are concerned about. And I think your point is well taken, Michael. Those are some of the reasons why there isn't quite as much optimism in that uh, future expectation index as you might think, looking at the current economic situation,
1: that those are kind of the longer run concerns people have. And another way to kind of bring this point home is we, we always ask an open-ended question where they can tell us what's on their mind. And one of the words that's been really large on our word cloud is, is regulations. And so that tells you that's, that's on their mind uh, in the last couple of months in particular. It's been larger than prices. Uh, and, and so that just that just kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah. And it, truthfully, go back to the 2016, uh, 20, early 2017
0: time frame. It's the opposite of what we saw in that time frame. Uh, when we saw the improvement and optimism that took place among producers in late 2016, following the 2016 election, the very beginning of 2017, uh, one of the things that came back to us in some of the follow-up questions we asked as well as the word cloud was people told us they were expecting um, an improved regulatory environment for agriculture uh, over the next several years. And uh, so this appears to be the exact opposite of that. Well, that kind of wraps up our results for this month's survey. Uh, for more details, you can go to our website, purdue.edu slash and download a f- copy of the report. And of course, we have a complete set of all the charts available as well. You can also join us for our next corn and soybean outlook webinar following the release of USDA's January crop production and WASDE reports. That will be on Wednesday, January 13th at 1230 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can register for the webinar at purdue.edu slash commercial ag. And of course, you can always find our website just by typing in Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture into your favorite search engine. So I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And on behalf of Michael Langemar and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Mintert. Thanks for listening.